0: Hello, you're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell.
1: And I'm Craig Moorhead. And this is the podcast where we talk about all the movies that have uh, slipped through our cracks.
0: That's indeed right. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Never Podcast. And you can check out our very own beautiful website, Mm. which is neverheardpodcast.com.
1: It's really quite a destination website. It really can't help but end up there.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you Google it, you'll find it.
1: Yeah, and Google will break probably.
0: No lie. Yeah. Uh and please come find us and keep making suggestions.
1: Yeah, shout outs to our uh, listeners in uh, in Asia, in Africa. We've we've almost uh reached w- at least one listen on every continent right now.
0: Yeah, I'm still holding out hope for North Korea. I
1: feel like we're pop cu- pop culture enough to <laughs> to catch on there.
0: But we'll see. Well, I just worry about their internet. With that in mind, let's let's do this, yeah?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay, today we are going back in time a little bit and talking about our, I think this has got to be the first movie we've talked about that was made before even 1970, I
1: think. Yeah, I think 70 is the earliest one so far.
0: Yeah, so we're going way back further than that. The movie is Caught, 1949 drama, film noir, thriller, It falls under that umbrella, apparently, according to IMDb. I would call it a drama. Um, Yeah. Yeah, if you're going and expecting a crime film noir, you're going to be a little disappointed here. That said, uh, there's some cool stuff in this one. It stars James Mason, uh, Barbara Bel Geddes, and Robert Ryan, and was directed by Max Ophels and written by Arthur Laurent, uh, based on the Libby Block novel. Uh, Craig, I will do you a synopsis, uh, courtesy of Wikipedia this time. Thank you. And um, there's more on their synopsis than I'm actually going to give. So this is uh, half of a two-paragraph synopsis. Okay. Young model Leonora Ames, played by Barbara Belgueris. Mary's multi-millionaire Smith Ulrich, played by Robert Ryan. Ulrich, though, is deranged and did not marry for love. Ames insists several times that she did marry for love, but the film suggests that she is deluding herself. When Ulrich becomes too abusive, she leaves him penniless to find a job at a medical clinic in a poor neighborhood and eventually falls for Dr. Larry Quinada, played by James Mason. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about right for... A good half of the movie, and then, sure. uh, yeah, you get some fireworks towards the ends there. So, Craig. Yeah. What did you think you were getting into? A, I know, listening to it again, you had trouble understanding what the hell word I was saying when I said caught, because, <laughs> you know, sometimes my southern accents to add, like, four syllables to every word. <laughs> and I think I tipped, tipped the hat a little bit that this, yes, was a, a bit of an older movie, but did, yeah. uh, any notion as to what you were getting into here with this one?
1: Uh, I did uh, a little bit. Uh, I I, I did look up the poster before I watched it. Uh Um, Yeah, I've kind of loosened up on that a little bit as far as like not knowing anything going in just because I wanted to make sure I had some clue of uh, uh, I was going to watch the right movie. There are plenty of movies called Caught.
0: Yeah. And actually, that poster has a pretty great uh, little tagline. I'm looking at it now. It says, The Story of a Desperate Girl. And yeah. I like that. And it's kind of accurate.
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, so, what I thought I was getting into, well, so Sean suggested the movie Jamaica Inn after one of our uh, podcasts. And that sounded great to me. I'd never heard of it. But then it turned out that movie was not available anymore the way we, th- we thought that it would. So, that's Thank been you, cut. Uh, maybe we'll come back to it again some other time. But... That was a Hitchcock movie as i remember yeah. right
0: it was, and I had never
1: no i I've never heard of it, and I've heard of a lot of his yeah more sort of left turn type movies, and I've never yeah. heard of that uh but when you- so when you suggested this one and you said it was nineteen forty nine in my mind it just sort of set up you know either this is another Hitchcock movie or it's it's going to be kind of a dark mysterious type movie, um which yeah def, you know ended up not being half wrong but yeah. uh um yeah I was I was very excited to see that James Mason and Barbara Bel Geddes was in it. Robert Ryan is is no slouch either. Correct. So uh yeah I mean uh, I have to say after sitting down and and starting it I was uh, tremendously happy. I wish there was a uh, maybe a better version of it, better looking version.
0: That said I don't think it's uh it's definitely not the worst we've No, done not at all. Not at by all. It's any very, very 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 um,
1: watchable. If anything it just looks like you're watching something that's standard def on a on a high def you know, you know, what I mean. A little bit, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Sean, well, so yes, correct. Uh, how did this pop up on your radar?
0: Well, I'm glad you <laughs> asked. Um, I, eh, I, I think this was pretty well spread. I'm trying to. I'm looking at it, and I don't see the date right now. Oh, I think maybe 2012. Okay, Scorsese did a very long interview with uh, Fast Company, which is some sort of business magazine, I believe, and in it he kind of laid out 85 movies. That he kind of considered uh, the movies that any sort of like filmmaker or film fan should should mm-hmm. see. Basically, um, as you might guess, there are not many post nineteen right. ninety. I think like Altman's The Player and like one other movie make it uh, on that list. And I have kind of. Uh, I copied this list I think in IMDb and made my own, you know, just sort of version of it to have it with my profile and like as I watch, you know, movies like every now and then I'm like, "Oh, you know what? I need to f- I need to watch something yeah, off yeah. of this Scorsese list." Cuz you know, we both went to film school, it doesn't mean we've seen Not everything and certainly my sort of knowledge of yeah, this pre-60 era is is kind of limited to the stuff that I think everybody every sort of like moderate film yeah. fan has seen. And so um, I'll read you exactly what he said about this movie. He said, uh, there are certain styles I had trouble with at first, like some of Max Ophel's films. It took me till I was into my 30s to get the earrings of Madame De, Another very famous Ophel's movie. Uh, but I didn't have trouble with this one, which I saw in a theater and which is kind of based on Howard Hughes.
1: Right. Where of
0: course, Scorsese made a movie about called The Aviator. Um, and so that was on my radar. And then... Not long ago, I think Criterion also put out uh, the earrings of Madame De, and I was able to catch that on Hulu and really enjoyed it. I also had seen a clip of Paul Thomas Anderson talking about the camera movement in that movie, and in particular, Ophuls, I think, is known as sort of this like fluid uh, movement yeah. master. And that was um,
1: I mean, fairly clear from what we saw on Caught.
0: Very much so, and like, in fact, the earrings of Madame Du is 1962, this yeah. is 49, so this is way, way ahead of that, and there's some amazing, amazing movements, which we'll get to, um... But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I didn't I didn't know that that, no. that was the case. I mean, I had heard of Ophuls, but I didn't know any of his movies. And he's a really interesting guy. And then he was born in Germany and he's made mm-hmm. movies in Germany, France, America, in I think in all three languages and probably elsewhere. But he kind of came over and um, was looking for a very early film job and ended up working under Preston Sturgis, who was producing a movie for Howard Hughes called Vendetta. And this, you know, I think was, you know, if you remember the aviator, I think this was post, uh, airplane crash in the cornfield or whatever like that. Right. So he's like making this movie. And of course he's got his, you know, actress. Well, the woman that he thinks should be an actress just because he's in love with her and wants to put her on the big screen. And he's pushing her in this role and the lead in this movie and Ophuls starts shooting it. And Howard Hughes does not like the, the pace at which he's going. And then, uh, you know, I guess is quoted as saying he didn't want foreigners working for California oh, wow. pictures. And so he first forced Preston Sturges to fire Max Ophuls. And so three years later, Max Ophuls made this movie that we're talking about. And yeah, as soon as I knew that, Um, that this was somewhat of a Howard Hughes thing. I thought, okay, I I see a little bit of the overlap with what little I know about Hughes, uh, primarily from The Aviator. And it's really kind of interesting. And I also think, you know, I I just, again, like, sorry, but we're probably going to reference a lot of current movies and and stuff that's, you know, more from this era just to kind of help us talk about this thing. Because otherwise, yeah, I, I just, again, my knowledge is limited. Uh you know I see a little bit of like uh Daniel Plainview in uh, there will be blood or you know bits and pieces from the mm-hmm. master um and even I think you know um uh, the earrings of madame de there's a madame de sort of reference in Wes Anderson's Grand Budapest Hotel so obviously I think this is a filmmaker that you and I should yeah. have
1: heard of <laughs> I was excited that this was kind of our assignment this time, in a way. Um, I like how you go back and you watch stuff from this time, and everything is so formal in the way everyone does everything. You know, so much like like we we keep getting sort of more and more casual with filmmaking, uh, or you know, most of the tone of a lot of movies we watch because people just going for you know as much reality as they can and so on, generally. Um, yeah, and it's, so it's kind of fun to go back to a time when where it, I mean it's just so formal like none of none of this is comes off as real at all it's it's a very much a melodrama um, yeah and it's just one of those movie movies I guess
0: and did you like it
1: I did I enjoyed it very much um, I did too and a lot of that was for a lot of the time I was watching it I wasn't sure where it was going. I had, I mean, okay, the movie's called Caught, and I naturally assume, there there are three main actors, two are dudes, so so I'm thinking, somebody gets murdered, Mm -hmm. the other two plot to murder the other one, and then they get caught. Right. That's what this is about, so it's gonna be a lot of, like, intrigue and conspiracy, and there's gonna be, you know, someone's gonna end up dead, and all that stuff, and... It, that's not that's not at all really what you get no this, nobody this, does <laughs> this definitely feels like and I did not know it was based on a novel before I watched it but you know toward the end it felt like this was based on a book like this this does not feel like your standard movie this doesn't feel like the way movies normally move
0: Right. And let me get into that a little bit uh, yeah. by way of giving some examples and just kind of, you know, easing people into the plot a little bit. We're opening um, really kind of interesting opening. Uh, they're using like a fashion magazine as a backdrop for the title credits. And then once the credits are done, you're moving right into that fashion magazine and the pages are being turned and there's two girls. You're not you're hearing them. You're not seeing them yet, but they're kind of talking about, uh, you know, wishful thinking the stuff that they want from the magazine, the life that they want, we find out they're in a New New York apartment. Um, Leonora, who's, uh, that's not even her real name, right? It's, uh, yeah. ah, crap. I wrote it down. Maud. Maud is her right, real right. name, which I think is also just like, okay, yeah, that's like representational of like an older woman, yeah. you know? Uh, so they're still, even in 49, that was like an old name, <laughs> yeah. which I like. But they're basically, these two women work as, you know, I think maybe in the synopsis it says models. Uh, What that means in this instance is they work at a department store and they walk around in the clothes that the store is selling to try and entice people to buy these clothes, right?
1: And that's fascinating.
0: It's totally fascinating. And I'm also, (laughs) I'm kind of curious, A, I'm assuming it has stopped somewhat completely, uh, and B, sort of when that happened and why exactly. Yeah. Because... Yeah, there's a little obviously a little bit of uh objectification going on uh in particular when Maud comes back at one point and she's wearing a fur and like that you know there's a dude asking to see the lining and clearly he just kind of wants to look at her body but yeah, it's a really sort of interesting occupation that I guess was a big yeah. opportunity for for women who were not born into wealth yeah. to go work in these stores, and this is a lot of what this movie this setup is about is you have to do this because where else are you going to meet a man that can afford to get you out of this very tiny New York apartment? Yeah. And w- one of the things that goes along with that, when you're talking about being formal is these girls, uh, both, well, the older woman, uh, the older roommate who I, I can't even remember her name, but she's a very small role, um, uh, is talking to Maude who has just sort of started charm school, Dorothy Dale's charm school. <laughs> and uh, that is described as being like finishing school and college combined, is the line of dialogue. Um, I kind of, you know, that in itself just threw me for such a curve because I, I thought maybe we were going to get a romantic comedy mm-hmm. of some sort. Um, and yet, like you, I'm I'm wrestling with the title of this movie because... How does this translate to what I'm singing and just the tone of it, the feel of it? You know, mm-hmm. she goes to this charm school and she's walking in and, you know, you've got Dorothy Dale there saying, okay, full tones, speak with confidence, um, talk about your favorite type of fur, you know, cross your legs, shake hands, like all these like yeah. little etiquette things. And it's like, oh, this is, you know, yeah, it's kind of charming and cute. And like, look what the world used to be like back then. Yeah. But really, we're back at that department store for five minutes before she meets a guy named Franzi, who's sort of got that kind of Peter Lorre kind of vibe, you know? Um, he's sort of like one of those little he's the skeezy
1: sidekicks. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: got a pencil thin mustache. I think he's French, speaks with an accent. He works for Smith Ulrich, the Robert Ryan character. Um, works for him as an assistant of some sort, and he's basically inviting her because she's modeling a fur to come to a yacht party thrown by Smith Ulrich. And again, like, once you sort of realize, oh, this is about Howard Hughes, that does sort of, like, seem in line with what you know about, like, you know, how he meets women and stuff like that. And so he sort of forces his business card upon her, and I think even there is somewhat of a promise made of being paid to come to this party. Yeah,
1: That, or at least, you know, he's saying... Everyone knows why you're here modeling. Everyone knows why you went to charm school to model here. It's so that you could hit the big jackpot and, you know, land a, a millionaire like Smith Ulrich. So of course you're going to come to this party. Like, right. stop pretending like you're not. And what's interesting is, at least I think it's interesting for especially this time period. Maybe Leonora really finds that she doesn't like this. You know, immediately. Even, yeah, I mean, like yeah, she's gone to charm school and everything, but now now that this has happened, she. And she later she says that she just it makes her feel very cheap it It just feels mm-hmm. like it's a business transaction where she sort of wants to marry a rich guy, but I think more than that she wants to be in love with someone and have a happy life she and, does, and a lot of that and, is wrapped up in being secure, which means you have to meet a rich guy, which means you have to go to charm school because otherwise you're not worth anything
0: i was yeah I was telling my wife i mean some of that thematically is a little, I mean, it's a little like Jane Austen or something, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, will I marry for money or will I marry for, for love? And yes, is it okay for me to admit that there are things about that lifestyle, the wealth, wealthy lifestyle that I do want, right. But not at the expense of an awful relationship. Right. Right, right, right. And so, I mean, that, that's kind of like the crux of this entire movie. And then it becomes really interesting in that you see it reflected in the men as well. And sort of how they deal with that. Um, again, this is all happening very quickly. She does indeed go to, we're we're basically cutting to a a dock. She's sitting there in the dark and like, here's, I'm like, okay, it's getting kind of interesting. Like there's a lot of fog out there and here comes this boat into shore. She's been waiting obviously. Mm -hmm. And this guy gets off the boat, you know, immediately that he's the guy that owns a yacht, right? Like, you know, and again, I'm like, okay, here we go. She's talking to this guy about how you no know, somebody was supposed to pick her up nobody came and like she didn't want to do this but she's got to get out there and all this kind of thing and it's like okay where is she going to put her foot in her mouth Right, you know and how long is he going to like let the carrot dangle before he tells her I'm the guy that owns a yacht you know and uh yeah he basically asked her to come he kind of forces her to come with him he'll pay for the taxi cab they'll come back and go out to the yacht party but he's got to take care of some business first and then they go for a ride, and it, it's, and they end up going to his house, and he's basically like, come inside, uh, we know why you're here. It's, right. again, that thing. It's like, you know what you signed up for. And she flat out refuses. Like, that's yeah. not the kind of girl she is. And one of the more interesting cuts from there that I, again, I totally would not have anticipated in a more modern movie is, you then go to Smith Ulrich who's on the couch with his shrink. Yeah. Talking about how this has now happened three or four times. So we're some time later mm-hmm. where he's been courting this girl, Leonora, who in the car, he just seemed to have no like interest.
1: I mean, right. interest beyond.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, he's it, just mean to, he's rude and like.
1: It didn't seem like, yeah, he cared if it was her or another girl. He clearly just wanted a girl to show up that night. He'd take her back and sleep with her. It seemed like that was just what he did. And I'd also like to mention that when he's driving her, he's awesome enough to have a captain's hat on.
0: Yes, he does have a captain's hat on, off and on. Which
1: I, Yeah. I, and then, and, he, and he takes it off when they get to the house. And when she tells him that he, she wants him to drive her home, he gets upset and he puts it back on. And then I just thought, yeah, I, I need a captain's hat.
0: And he he flat out says... I'm not going to get married. Like I'll put it off this long. I know what I'm doing. It's never gonna happen. Oh yeah. yeah. But again, like my modern head is like, okay, foreshadow that change of heart. Like right. when is, we'll when is he going to fall yeah, in love with her? Such you know? a
1: sweet wedding when he softens. And, right. Yeah.
0: But no, 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 what? no not what you remember what happens in that scene with the shrink? I mean, it's so crazy. The shrink is basically calling him out for having what they sort of refer to as attacks, which, uh, are kind of like a mix between a panic attack and a heart attack. Like, you know, it's like, it's a little unclear. Yeah. But he's saying like, this happens to you out of stress because you don't like to lose. You don't like to feel challenged. And you basically like to feel, you want to be superior to everyone around you. And that is why you will not married. And so Smith flips the freaking handle and is like, I am going to get married and I'm going to marry Leonora. And it's like all out of spite. Like I was like, what is going on? And And, and he's
1: doing that just, just to spite his therapist. Yes. I mean, just because someone mentioned (laughs) that he doesn't want to do one thing. Yeah, and 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 the therapist—that thing is marriage. That's like, a big thing. You like realize it. you're just doing that, just, <laughs> just to spite me. And he's yeah, and and I would also like to point out again another somewhat of a tangent, but in the same scene, something I couldn't stop looking at was the way he held his cigarette. Yeah, where he had he just had a clenched fist and a cigarette sort of poking out from between two of the knuckles.
0: There is it's like interesting so much just rage and anger in that whole dude's performance. I think it's, yeah. it's just seeping out of his body and stuff like that. I also, I mean, we're talking fashion a little bit with the hat, uh, sure. in this scene, he's got the high waisted short tie, the short tie, uh, super short tie. Yeah. And that's man, that's a pretty cool look that you just, it is. if you can pull off that off. Date. Yeah, exactly. No, you look like Paula Poundstone or something, yeah. or like you're doing like a clown act somewhere. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it won't work. Uh, so here again, I think is where we get one of those moments that moves a little bit like a novel because we're jumping quite a bit ahead. They are married. We use the uh, the standard classic newspaper headline montage uh, to establish that, yes, they got married and the fact that he married this girl is a big deal. And that it's yeah. kind of funny because one of the headlines is, model nabs millionaire, which like today would be... Yeah. So what? Like you know, it's the other way around, right? Yes.
1: And <laughs> um, and there's uh an one of those newspapers that has a great a headline. I can't remember the exact headline, but it's I believe it's a photo of her mom. <laughs> yeah, And it's like, you know, parents are thrilled that blah blah. And <laughs> she and,
0: always knew that her daughter. Yeah, she always be.
1: knew her daughter could yeah. could land a millionaire. And the, the photo of her mom just looks like the most miserable old woman. Oh god, it looks like, like yeah. Ugh.
0: She looks like she's in the Grapes of Wrath in like a dust bowl somewhere, <laughs> like foreclosing on her house yeah
1: <laughs> but the the, the the newspaper is so excited about it yeah. but yeah mom is like yeah this this sucks.
0: And so, yeah, we're thrown into that lifestyle now. She's living in the millionaire, you know, house. Um, I think perhaps they are still in California at this point. Um, She's out by the pool with that old roommate and saying immediately, you know, I'm not happy. Um, I think my husband wishes he hadn't married me and I don't blame him. Uh, I don't know how to fit into this world. I don't know how to behave like I have money. Um, But she's very, very adamant that, she did not marry for money, you know, mm-hmm. unlike her roommate. No, that's not what she wanted. She could have never done that. She really does love him. You do not see any of that. Yeah. Um, that's all tell versus show. Like we've seen nothing of yeah. their relationship to this point to almost even suggest that there is a relationship, you
1: yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 showing you that she is sort of deluding herself, but it's it's so much just she's almost begging him To just be a nicer person so that maybe they could have a loving relationship. Right. Like, just, is there any way you could treat me like a human being and maybe (laughs) we would actually like each other?
0: Well, and to to this point, though, we really, we've only seen them together in that car scene. So, you know, you honestly don't really quite know what kind of guy he is at this point, even. But it becomes very, very clear. We move time again, and then I think, yeah, we're in Long Island in, in a very large house. It's snowing. It's been months, and uh, she's miserable at this point. And you, you get the very distinct impression that she's basically expected to stay home uh, and be there at his whim when he gets home, which is often not until very, very late, and mm-hmm. there's only like an hour or two where they're spending any any amount of time together. Right. Uh this definitely sort of struck me as that kind of Citizen Kane. Sure. Uh you know, you're getting that kind of like relationship a little bit with these men of power of this era and these tycoons that have kind of built yeah. this world. I mean, I guess it's sort of you know, pointing a finger at capitalism too in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um
1: So that's that's the bit where where he comes home, he has a bunch of guys with him, he's going to show them this film about his company or something he's got a he's super... got a
0: projector in the house, he's got a projectionist on call. right
1: he's definitely wound very tight. yeah, uh, everyone is beneath him, and he treats them like that, um, including his wife. Um, you know he comes home, he's demanding her to to I don't know get them food and and you know come into the projection room and watch this, and at some point she laughs at someone's joke in the background. Some other guy's joke and he just flips out.
0: Well, he flips out and like there's a couple things that I love about that. A, it's shot really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty static shot, but it's like you said, like, uh, there's basically two cuts. And one is Smith is in the foreground, and like all these guys are behind him, and you very, very clearly see Leonora talking to the man, and then you sort of get the reverse of that where she's in the foreground. And like mm-hmm. it It's just such a simple well, it's not simple, but it's a smart, uncomplicated, I guess is a better way to yeah. say it. Like there's nothing really distracting or technically impressive going on in the frame other than the simple staging of where those people sit. But it yeah. creates that extra tension because there's all this distance between them and you see it and you see all these other dudes and lackeys mm-hmm. and you can feel the discomfort on them Yeah, of having to like watch this marital spat. Um, to the point where the the dude that laughed got excused from the room. Yeah. Uh you know, it's basically just told get the hell out. Like, you know, and yeah. uh
1: and then he tells it, everyone to get out at some point. He just yeah. he's just done with it.
0: But I, I also I I like that they just go for it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I feel like in so many movies, like that's the kind of stuff that would have been done behind closed doors. You know, he would have kept a polite face and, and ushered them out of the house and then as soon as the doors closed, he would have turned on her probably would have gotten physical and that doesn't happen here like yeah. it's all just straight emotional antagonism yeah. in front of others and that to me is like it was harrowing like it's yeah. I, it, it hurts so much more i think
1: well I, I think you're right and i think it's uh really illustrating who he is he is absolutely the king of the mountain there is no one even close to him nope he can treat everyone like crap all day long it doesn't matter because yeah, whatever he, well, he does, and and that I'm sure that attributes to his entire personality. Yeah, uh, all the way to the anxiety attack uh, slash heart attack thing.
0: He does seem to like that pinball machine that he has, though. Pinball
1: machine, yeah.
0: Okay, so it's it's, it's very close around here where they kind of have it out and. You know, it's basically the only thing that's going to work for them, because he's not going to give her a divorce, mm-hmm. is she has to go away somewhere. Go, go to Miami, go wherever you want to yeah, go. Yeah, go on vacation, you're rich. Yeah, because you, the thing is, you've got a taste of this lifestyle, you're not going to leave it. Right. So the only thing you can do is go away and enjoy the money that you married into.
1: Right. And he kind of reveals, I feel like a little bit of a soft spot here, and tell me, maybe I'm off off base, but when when she brings this up the way he talks about it it sounds very much like he is he's very set in the fact that people want him for his money yes and it's been that way for so long and and it's That's been all he it's can been see. the entire goal of his life his dad gave him 4 million dollars when he died or something like left him 4 million dollars he turned it into 22 and he's going to turn it into 50 before he 50. dies yeah and all anybody wants is my money, anyway. And you got what you wanted, you know. So he's as pissed off as anybody. But if he divorces her, then the shrink was right, and he the loses shrink control. Was right. And like that shrink yeah. is probably dead by now. That shrink is probably in a graveyard. <laughs> but he, he not in the The shrink his head. is
0: living and enjoying his life. I'm <laughs> right? sure. Thank God he I don't have this guy. Completely forgot guy's about client. Smith
1: Ulrich. Yeah. So yeah. So so, so you, but so you do at least you do sort of get that little taste of, you know, this this is a human being as twisted as he is. Um you can kind of see where he's coming from.
0: Right. She decides she's going to get a job. She finds an ad in the paper that uh there's uh, a doctor's office hiring a receptionist. And the east side of New York City, I believe. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I I don't know my geography but obviously is not the fancy west side.
1: Although I would say uh, and I don't know much about New York or the history of New York in, that, in, that, in those terms either. But sometime toward the end of the 70s, you were moving on up if you were heading to the east side. Uh, at least according to the Jeffersons. Yeah, she heads to a poor part of town to help with a doctor, to, to, to get a job in a doctor's office.
0: This is about, I think, right at about 35, 40 minutes here. And finally we meet James Mason. Um, and that again not yeah if you if you're making a movie today and you got an actor um that's gonna have top billing mm-hmm. he or she is gonna show up before thirty five minutes of your movie Usually,
1: yeah. by
0: hook or by crook or you're gonna get fired <laughs> um so yeah it's it's really it's a very small office it's two doctors on the left side you got a a uh obstetrician named Dr. Hoffman mm-hmm. who is like a uh like a J.K. Simmons. Like, that's what I thought of. Like, he was the J.K. Simmons of 1949. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look that actor up. Uh, great, though. I really liked him. And then on the right side, you have James Mason, the pediatrician. And so, you know, they had this kind of, like, I just thought, okay, they're playing this as a joke, like he's saying, well, you know, over there, they bring kids, he brings kids into the world, and then they come see me when they're sick, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I thought that's, that's kind of quaint, and it's kind of neat. It actually ends up being pertinent to the plot Mm -hmm. later on, um, which I thought was really, really cool. Did you ask yourself, why is no one recognizing her as the wife of Smith Ulrich if, in fact, that newspaper montage was as big of a deal as it appeared to be?
1: Well, I didn't, and here's why.
0: Okay, because I did a little bit, but I got over it pretty quickly, but go ahead.
1: Well, I, I didn't mainly because I felt like People that she's going to see there.
0: What are you trying to say? The poor people don't read newspapers. Poor people you can say that. can't read.
1: No, um, I mean there were kind of two things. Uh, one, I didn't feel like either of those doctors would have cared anything about Smith Olrig or his or society life or any of that. Right. Uh, so, so those guys would have been completely out uh, as far as as you know patients in the waiting room and so on. That's a different story. But I also felt like. I mean, we've, we've gone a few years. Like, I don't know. We haven't had a newspaper montage since they got married. Right. So as far as I know, it's just like, you know, and again, if he's, uh, you know, Howard Hughes and, and I didn't, I had no idea about that watching the movie uh, until you even brought it up. But, uh, you know, if, if he's that reclusive, then yeah, then maybe people haven't seen her for years. And so it's just not somebody they're used to looking at. Well, and James
0: Mason, uh, Dr. Quinata, which I got to say, it was like 10 minutes before the movie was over where I finally realized what his last name was because <laughs> I saw it on the door. I'm like, what are they saying? Pinata?
1: Yeah. Larry. Quinata. Yeah. Do- they okay. should just call
0: him Dr. Larry, but I like the name Quinata. <laughs> yeah, I-, I don't yeah, know yeah. what the origin is. Um, he does mention that she looks familiar. Um, he says something about, did you work in a hospital or something? There's a couple little things during her interview, which I really liked. Um, a, I think that was when you've got the kid in the background just blowing on one of those, like, old-school, like, Woo! whistles, yeah, <laughs> like, nonstop in that scene. And yes. there's a lot of movement in it. And, like, she's just being kind of friendly with another little kid. And um, it's just kind of nice. But then when he's interviewing her, you know, and James Mason is, is you know, if you don't know James Mason, uh uh Kubrick's Lolita he's in the verdict he's in a million things but you know to me definitely Lolita is is was one of the standouts but this Mm -hmm. is way before that anyway so he's younger than that that guy Mm -hmm. and but still very you know he's very very formal he's kind of just a formal guy very very British very put together yeah um he says, he's like asking her about, like, well, okay, so uh, how long have you been in New York? She says something about 10 months. He's like, okay, well, where have you been working? She's like, well, I haven't really been working. He's like, well, where have you been? And she says, Long Island. And he's like, oh. It's like, I mean, like, I, I wrote, it's like, it's as if she was saying that she had cancer. <laughs> she was in long Island. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really kind of great reaction. And then, uh, you know, she gets the job. Um, she kind of has to beg for it a little bit, but because she doesn't have that sort of, dictation training and like some of the actual just skills that she would need as a receptionist, which I think is kind of, that's good. That's reality based. He's not just hiring her because she's, she's pretty and they sort of have a little spark at the beginning. Yeah. In fact, they don't. I mean, I, I think this relationship stays pretty professional for quite a while. Um, but then, You know, there's some time goes by and they had their first big blow up where he finally was just like telling her, it's like, you know, look like, you know, you've been here a couple of weeks now and your skills have not really improved at all. And I was hoping for more from you. And then he gets into this whole sort of riff about how she's too put together for their office. (laughs) Like I I wrote it down. He says, for Pete's sake, look at that hairdo. Mm -hmm. You're so fancy. You're scaring patients away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and And in a lot of ways, I mean, that is that's larry being the opposite of smith yeah you know and and it's and everything is 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 very opposite you know you you live in a gigantic house with no one else but smith and then you go to larry's office and it's packed with people and it seems tiny you know and smith wants you to be oh, dressed very... up and and be ready to wait on him hand and foot and then this guy says you're too fancy and you know um it was interesting, yeah, and, kind of seeing the, the the differences between those two places.
0: I really enjoyed that scene where he goes and calls on the girl. Uh, he's basically figuring out that this this kid, the girl, has botulism, you know, some some form of food poisoning. Botulism, yeah. But that he didn't take it as seriously because her mother calls all the time, mm-hmm. and it's somewhat of you know just a, a worrywart, um, and invents maladies for her daughter, but. Uh, You know, Leonora goes to the house and they're there till like two o'clock in the morning and they leave and, you know, there's this conversation and it's, yeah, it's it's starting to be obvious that there's some maybe romantic interest between the two of them, but it's still, I don't know, it felt kind of respectful of the audience in those moments Mm -hmm. where... No, they're not madly in love with each other. They've only known each other for like three months and they're working together like that. You know, there's so many workplace romance stories. That like, I mean, yes, it does happen in real life, but it's it's somewhat of a rarity because it's it's not the best situation to meet somebody or fall right. in love with somebody. I don't think, you know. Um,
1: well, and I think a lot of romances, uh, the, the, the the lesser romance movies tend to, it usually feels like, uh, the reason they fall in love with each other is because they 're both so attractive right or or you know they 're both so clever or something, yeah, whereas this one definitely feels a lot more organic. I mean these are two people who are just sort of realizing they have the same a lot of the same ideas and uh, and yeah you know, they 're obviously attracted to each other and they cure botulism together. Um, these are all things you could build a life on. <laughs>
0: And so I think maybe I skipped around a little bit, but yeah, Smith comes back. He finds her because of course he finds her. Um he knew where she was the whole time. And he gives a very heartfelt plea to to have her back. Yeah. And he's in her apartment, and yes, he's critical of how she could be comfortable in such a tiny place of squalor. But like he helps her fold the table and like he's gentle and he's He's explicit with, with his faults and, and that he was wrong, and, and that he wants her back. Um, and, of course, what does she do, Craig? She accepts. Of course. Mistake number seven, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. It's um, a big one.
1: But, I mean, yeah, again, this is this is the relationship that she wants to work the most, because it's, it's got that great money aspect. Yep. And uh, she just, just has to have the love aspect, and then, yeah. Uh but she's still not completely dumb about it, you know? It's not like she just immediately like jumps into his arms.
0: No, wait a second, Craig. Oh. Pretty much right after that she sleeps with him. She does. And... But I'm
1: but I'm saying but I'm saying in that scene, it's not like, oh you know. No, came not in back. that scene, yeah, I yeah. know. So no, you know but at it, least, yeah. So you know, they
0: wait till they get back to Long Island, yes. <laughs>
1: it's a long drive back to Long Island. <laughs> it really is. A lot yeah, of or talking you can or whatever. Do. Yeah. Um
0: But yeah, it's a a really good scene. And then, yes, unfortunately, right after that, you're cutting to her waking up in bed. It's clear that they've slept together. And she finds out that Smith is leaving. He had a trip planned for several days before he even came and asked her back. And so it's like this illusion that she had that maybe things would be different is immediately shattered um she calls James Mason back and asks for her job back or i even i think maybe he even asked her to come back first because uh he he definitely feels remorse about uh being so critical of her that she did quit and um he she goes back and then uh i think that's when sort of the botulism house visit happens mm-hmm. we got out of order just a little bit yeah Anyway, doesn't doesn't quite matter because right after that, then, um, there's this great little scene where is it late at night or early in the morning? I can't remember. I think it's after office hours, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the Dr. Hoffman, the obstetrician, comes into his office, closes the door. You see that Leonora is thinking about something. She knocks on his door and goes in, and then you cut to her. Kind of getting dressed, tucking her shirt in, clearly having been on his exam table, and da da da, she's pregnant from her very brief visit with Smith. That's right, Smith Um,
1: is not shooting blanks.
0: Definitely not. I really liked how they handled that transition. I, I, did you know that that's what they were? I mean, I did, I mean, did not piece it together that. I thought she was walking into that office to talk to him about Doctor Quinata, about James Mason. Oh, okay. About feelings that she. Had. I mean, I just. I again, I don't know. It's like my head's going in these sort of like romantic tropes. I guess. Yeah. Um, did you see the pregnancy coming?
1: Uh, I didn't. Okay. Uh, and, and that's Good. and that's that is kind of weak because I mean we've just put her in the midst of an obstetrician and a pediatrician. And all this life and family life and all this stuff that she wants, like we really should have seen that coming a mile away.
0: We should have, and it becomes—I think—that's when the movie takes a real dark turn in a lot of ways. Um, But man, within like this is all within five minutes of her finding out she's pregnant. We have a scene uh, where she's at a bar with James Mason, smoking and drinking. (laughs) Yeah, so she's pregnant. She's smoking, she's drinking with a doctor. With a doctor. And so,
1: doctor <laughs> like, approved.
0: Let's talk then about where it kind of goes from here, because you are building that triangle to a head. Um, James Mason professes his his love for her in, in a very James Mason way. It's not overly um, gushy or flowery. Nope. Um, it's,
1: pretty, it's pretty clinical.
0: It's very clinical, which is kind of fitting to his character Absolutely. Um, and man, that dance floor scene uh that thing I think is that 's the best shot in the movie, basically, yeah, um, it starts super, super close on the two of them you 're on the dance floor you 're right now i mean there's so many people coming in and out of frame right around them, it feels like they 're going to bump and then he pulls out. You pull back, you go behind a curtain, behind the band, and you're tracking with them, and then you meet up in them and close. It's it's nuts. It's, is that it's, whole
1: thing, is that is that a wonder?
0: I think so. I don't think there's a cut in there.
1: I didn't, oh, man. I didn't realize that.
0: You know, it's almost like Smith is out of the picture a little bit here, but we know she's pregnant. And then um, I think, he, yeah, the next time we see them is when Quinata James Mason shows up at the mansion on Long Island and... He comes in and he, God, does he realize, he does not realize that Smith is Leonora's husband, correct?
1: Yeah, he does not know that.
0: Yeah, Smith is, he's like getting a drink or something and he just kind of puts it out there that he knows exactly what James Mason is doing and that nothing's going to come of it, basically. Um and so, of course, James Mason feels betrayed because why didn't she say anything that she was married and married to this guy? Um, but I like that. So he sees her on the stairwell and is like, meet me outside, or, or she says that or whatever, meet me around, you know, in the garage. Mm-hmm. And so there's another really cool tracking shot there where, like, James Mason's walking outside looking for her, and then, like, he goes back in the garage and it's kind of following them. But... um Again, I liked how that conversation was handled because clearly Leonora is insanely stressed about what is going to happen here. And like now she's sort of back in the clutches of this madman. And he's saying, You know what? Like, forget about me. Forget about the fact that I love you and I proposed to you and you didn't tell me this that you're married. I just spent three minutes with this guy. He is not good for anyone. Like, you have got to get out of this. Like, you know, go take care of yourself, take care of your, your baby. And this guy is dangerous. And that to me is like, yeah, that's a very mature way of handling that. Yeah. It, it basically, you know, you have Smith come out and Leonor is forced to choose between the two of them. Um, and that's kind of what it's building to.
1: Cause like she, she's, she's just trying to go up to bed and he sits down on that bench and he's just saying, this is what I'll do. I, you know, I, I, I want to, Basically, I want to crush you. I, I, I want to win, and this is how I will win, is by if you leave, I'll take the child from you. And, of course, she's not going to go for that.
0: No, and, in fact, um, like he's basically saying, I will get custody because I will pay people to say that yeah. you had an affair with Quinata, um, and that will be the way I will win custody yeah. in court. It's a pretty brutal speech. I it mean, is. it is nasty. Like, it's that's kind of the moments where I thought of Daniel Day Lewis, that, that character, and there will be blood. Like, sort of the end of that movie. Yeah. And that's just this. Um, I wrote down the line. He says, "I think now I hate you." I mean, that's such a oh, terrible yeah. thing to say to somebody. That scene really just kind of that shook my foundation a little bit. And then, but then I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird kind of turn there when later she's asleep and here's this massive crash and he's calling her name and like i don't know like to me it felt a little bit like a horror movie mm-hmm. because it was all built around sound and i didn't know what had happened like what has this guy done and like i kind of thought okay he's drunk he's breaking uh the dishes or something yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, and like she goes down, and like he's overturned the the pinball table on himself, I guess. And um, well, I know, assumed
1: he had an attack and fell over and just oh, grabbed on. Definitely
0: had attack. Yeah, that's probably what happened. <laughs> I don't think the pinball machine fell by itself, no. although that'd be kind of awesome. He just had a really bad game of uh, of pinball and just got mad at it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and it, but the glass is broken, and so like he's in a very bad state, and he needs a pill, the pill that will help him calm this attack yeah. and she won't give it to
1: him. Yeah.
0: And so she's eaten up by guilt. Um, she kind of goes into shock. Uh, doctors are called. Quanata shows up. He finds her. Um, she's in a mad state. She thinks she's killed him and did it on purpose and left him there to die. He's saying, no, actually, I think they're going to recover your husband, Smith. Um, she then starts having terrible, what appears to be abdominal pain. And do you remember what he does at that point, Craig?
1: Uh well, aside from try to call someone.
0: Yeah, there's well, there's a moment uh before that where he pours her a drink, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't think about that.
0: Yes, yeah. of course. Here's what this pregnant woman needs in a dire emergency. A drink. Um again. Oh, I love this. This is what do that was do? beautiful. Uh and then uh, we cut to an ambulance, which I think is the uh, the only really, really poor choice of production design in the whole movie. Um, that ambulance set looks like—I uh, mean, it looks like somebody's living room or something. That's just being yeah. like oh, a, a fly great. wall that's being yeah. vibrated. There's
1: like there's sort of no curve up into the, no. into the ceiling of the thing, so it's just like there. It's just a wall. It's like a. They might as well be in an 18-wheeler with a little window punched out or something. And I don't
0: think this is a period thing. I don't think an ambulance ever looked like The inside of an ambulance never looked like this. Smartly, the camera gets very, very close to the two of them. Uh, James Mason is there for Leonora. And, okay, this is where the movie is really going to either make or break people uh, in 2015. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you sort of reacted and took in What's being said to her by James Mason, particularly in regard to the life that is in her stomach?
1: Yeah. So, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I, I was a little hazy going into the ending in the first place for some reason.
0: Because it, it didn't feel like an ending. It did, first did not of all, feel right? like an ending. No. Nope.
1: Um, there was something sort of wrong with her, but I wasn't assuming that things were going to go very, very wrong. And so, yeah, and and then I and I was a little bit more confused because, at least to me, that ending bit plays like uh everything's working out, like everything, it's it's played oh sort of, it's yes. played like a happy ending. And so, it, it's yeah, in some way, it was not clear to me what exactly had happened because you don't see anything explicit whatsoever. You don't even see her, well, do you?
0: No, not at the yeah. hospital. But in the ambulance, yes. you know, where she's at first almost appears to be unconscious. And he's talking to her about, you know, it's kind of that you got to stay with me speech. Yeah. Um, but very, very specific about, um, you know, you have to do this for yourself, Lee. Um, yes, your baby may die, but you have to live because think of it, You will be free. You will be free from smith and you can finally live your life anew um and yeah yeah, he's saying all of that um you can be happy but your baby's probably gonna die i mean like that's it's almost like an asterisk in that scene and like it's it's just kind of hard to to take that in because it just would not be played like that today and then yes like i i think she definitely opens her eyes. She sort of turns her head into his body um, as they get closer and closer, and he's he's giving this speech. And then you cut to the hospital, and uh, the other doctor, the obstetrician, is kind of walking out, and he's meeting James Mason and saying, "Yeah, she's okay. Premature birth, baby died." But then, blah 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 blah. Like, you can't stay in there more than two minutes, okay? And like, <laughs> you know, Smith is like sort of laughing. He yeah. walks into the room. Yeah, it's it's that total like Larry's, shot. The Larry's doors laughing. open. Larry is la- laughing. Larry, um, and yeah, he see. It's a cool shot that he's looking at her, her bedside table basically, and you don't or her bed, and you don't see yeah. her, but he's got a smile on his face. Like, yeah, you're walking to a room where she just lost yeah. a child, and you look like this could be the best day of right. your life.
1: And and that's what's so interesting to me is in 1949, this movie comes out. And the pregnancy is treated from beginning to end like nothing but a problem. And from, I mean, from the as soon as she finds out that she's pregnant, she's miserable, miserable about it. She and understandably it so because yeah. of it's it's it's, yeah. it's no, no one ever. I mean, and you're at an obstetrician and a pediatrician's office. Mm-hmm. No one ever talks about. But at least you'll have a child, a beautiful child you can raise. No, no one cares like that. <laughs> that baby, if that baby doesn't die, I mean, everyone will be very sad. And 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 just knowing, very very few people who I know who have uh, very uh, unfortunately gone through uh, miscarriages, losing a child like that, you're in for at least months of pure darkness.
0: It is interesting because it seems like a very happier, obvious choice would have been to let smith die and the baby live.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and and but, I mean, and that's right? Because <laughs> a conscious choice, so that's really interesting. Yeah. Cuz yeah, he's he she probably would have gotten his
0: money or at least yeah. a chunk of it if he had right. died and right. had a baby.
1: I mean, that that would be the easy but in, happy ending, although I I still throughout the entire thing I just purely believed that that what we were getting out of that therapist at the beginning was you don't have a heart problem. This is, this is, this is like an anxiety thing. This is coming out of your mind. Yeah. And it's like, you're punishing yourself. Uh, yeah. So, Oh man.
0: I was a bit blindsided by that ending and, and it, it, leaves a very curious color on, on the rest of the film but uh in a way that is uh, I do think it's its complex and it's adult and it's um it's not easy yeah. I mean it's, it's definitely not easy despite the fact that you do get those little the laughing James Mason and the smiling Dr. Hoffman where it kind of feels like they were trying to somehow give you a satisfying you a happy, happy, thing, happy yeah. And, yeah. Well, and it's a very
1: progressive movie really uh For sure, in a lot of ways, Um, surprisingly so. And I mean, and and I guess it comes mainly from having Ulrich be, you know, sort of the old, the old-fashioned way to do things, maybe. And so James, you know, Doctor Larry had to be a progressive character, a more progressive character, just about you know, she she can make up her own mind, and you shouldn't live just to marry someone you know, who has money or, or just to marry someone at all. That shouldn't be your only goal in life is to marry well and that kind of thing. And and so, yeah. Um,
0: one other final little bit of trivia about this movie, uh, I think originally uh, Opals was credited as Opals without the H, yeah. um, apparently because one of the producers thought that Ophuls sounded too much like awfuls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why so, that was, yeah.
0: I mean, which uh, you know, Ophuls I guess was a pseudonym anyway to start with. Uh, I think his original his, you know, name was uh Max Oppenheimer. Um so still a pretty uh, tight name for What an a interesting director, life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting life these these guys had to deal with with um studios and all that stuff going on at the time and people like Howard Hughes producing and making movies. Yeah. Um so final thoughts i definitely think it's one to to check it out um you know for various reasons you know if you're into the filmmaking side of things go you got to see those tracking shots Mm -hmm. and stuff and just how things are staged um there's always movement in the frame yeah and it uh as of today it's on amazon and as we learn with jamaica in that can change (laughs) daily Uh, so uh yeah jump on it
1: Hey, Sean, so did this movie spark any new ideas for you or uh, did it give you any ideas on how uh, this movie could be remade, rebooted?
0: I did start out thinking, oh, you know what? This could be remade. I like this kind of like uh, setup for the girl that's getting involved with the rich guy and then the doctor and all that kind of – I like those mm-hmm. worlds a lot, Um but yeah by the end of it i was like no way like i don't know like it would, oh, i just don't know how you would possibly remake this and be kind of true to what must have been in the novel yeah. um so no i'm i'm passing out this week Craig. no, no
1: worries no worries
0: what about you what you got uh, for
1: me well my, the main thing i kept thinking about i mean first of all you have such a great setup at the beginning it certainly wouldn't be an exact remake, <laughs> but I, I would keep it in the same period. I would have, I would keep the charm school. I would keep the modeling of coats, which, like, Love all it. that stuff was really fascinating to me. But I, I, I think I would introduce the uh, conspiracy of murder aspect. You would start off with, uh, I would definitely cast Barbara Bel Geddes again, if I could, because I love her. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, she's of course passed away. Rest in peace. Um, but you know,
0: I don't think it's a problem. Always
1: a problem, but you know, eventually hopefully we'll overcome it. No, no, no. What oh, hologram man At least, uh, that can't come soon enough. Um, but yeah, you know, we start off in that same world. She has the same attitude about it. She doesn't, it makes her feel cheap. She doesn't like it, but then she ends up marrying the really rich guy. And and kind of what I'm thinking is, you know, by making the choice to marry him, even though they're not in love, and I would probably spend a little more time on the relationship, she, mm-hmm. she just forces herself down this path, uh, chasing what she thinks happiness looks like or something, and it just keeps changing her until by the end... You know she's sort of the bad guy um even that's even if it's just the, to the point of of you know deciding to murder him because she's gotten to the point where she's so hard about the whole thing that she really just wants the money, and that's kind of the thing so then she kills him at the end maybe she wants the baby, so she gets pregnant then you know then you know, the second part of her plan is to murder him and so wow. but then she ends up but then it ends up flipping, and she loses the baby and he lives and so and so it's a it's 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 kind of the same ending but much darker uh you know you talking
0: about that actually made me think of gone girl oh, yeah. did you see that the fincher movie yeah I mean, maybe there's a little aspect maybe. of that uh, uh of oh, well, of this movie kind of trickling down in even into something like that i like that that's interesting and it also made me think of you know there's there's been i feel like there's been a bunch of movies that have probably done the uh Oh look at this happy marriage! This is gonna be. I just met the man of my dreams, and then uh, a year into the marriage, or not even that, like you suddenly realize I've married a yeah. psychopath. Um, I like your pitch. I think yeah, that's worth that's worth uh, getting invested awesome. in. Thank you. And I'm always on board anytime there's like a a, a plot to uh, I, to kill a partner. That can you can somewhat justify. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um,
1: well, I, I, like, I like it if you can really, and, and I guess I, I can't help but think about something like Breaking Bad. I really love to be able yeah. to watch the journey from good guy to bad guy in yeah. all those little mm-hmm. steps.
0: Yeah, you know, I'd love to see a draft by next week. Uh, not so a that'd problem. be good. Not Let's get problem. on it. Okay, cool. Um, well, anything else on this not movie? Not
1: at all. Well, maybe one more thing. Sean, what does the, the title mean to you in regards to this movie?
0: Uh, That she's caught in the relationship with uh, Smith. And
1: see, and I thought, and I think you're exactly right. I I think it has a lot of different meanings, Mm -hmm. but as we've been talking, it kind of has, has kind of come over me that it's also sort of an ironic usage of it because uh, going back to the headlines and everything, it's like she caught the millionaire, you know, like she caught the man of her dreams. I was so biased about, you know, it's, it's called caught because she's going to get caught in this crime. (laughs) That right. I just never thought about it again, so oh
0: dude I mean yeah the posters uh there's definitely one where it's it's her looking down it's painted uh her looking down at at Smith on the floor and he looks right. dead so it's right. yeah and then I guess the last thing I did want to I've just failed to mention but I did you notice Barbara Billingsley in there
1: yes in the in the department in store. the department yes. store yeah. yeah we both did we we're like is i was like at is? first
0: i thought uh is that lucille ball yeah, oh my god and then I, was like, oh, I looked it up and i was like oh no yeah leave it to beaver's mom <laughs> and uh airplane oh, yeah. i was like i love her yeah so uh that was kind of a nice little little cameo there she's got like one speaking line
1: <laughs> different times craig yeah
0: i think you need to talk to me about next episode
1: let's talk about the next episode sean Alright, I've got a list of movies here
0: Okay, I've heard of all of them, so I hope you have another list oh, of movies
1: Well, Alright, I'll go to my next list, okay, second good. list At the time of this recording, these can all be found on Netflix streaming Let's kick it off Sean, have you ever heard of the movie Buffalo Soldiers? I have, yes Alright, good job
0: well, Am I thinking of Buffalo 66? I've heard of Buffalo Soldiers, yeah Who's in it? Uh, Roseanne Barr? No. <laughs> Roseanne Arnold? No. No. Okay. Uh, just Roseanne?
1: No. Uh, None of those people.
0: Y- well, I don't know. If you want to press me on this, which I'm fine. We can do this. We can set a precedent right here and right now. Uh, I-, I can't really say I know anything about the movie, but the title, uh, I feel like I've heard of the title. That's so all I'm going to say. Okay. But if you want to watch it, I, can't, I cannot back it up at this point, Craig, is what I'm saying okay. to you.
1: Well, off the record, we'll, we'll, we'll cut this part out.
0: We don't have to. I think we can make this...
1: Like, this is a thing I keep thinking about, is, is should it be something soldiers. where you can immediately say, yes, I know what that movie is? And if you can't, you know, does that count as, I don't know, I don't know. Because the other thing about this movie is I, I can guarantee you, as soon as you see the poster, you'll probably be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, so, I like doing so those. So at the same time, so- now that you said that you have heard of it, I feel like... True. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? I have a whole list of, of stuff here.
0: Was this at the top of your list?
1: This was yeah, this is the first one. I kinda of figured you would know exactly what it was immediately.
0: God, I feel like I should. Yeah. Um I don't know, we can flip a coin, you wanna do it?
1: Well well okay, well let, let me put this to you. Is it different from some of the other Shouldn't stuff we've done? What's that?
0: Is it th- is it different from some of the other stuff we've done? Ethan?
1: it's? I mean, it's it's fairly different, yes. Okay. Um, and, and well, here's the other question I was gonna I was gonna put to you about the podcast when we do this this kind of thing. <laughs> should we? Should the person calling them out instead of just saying a title? Should we say Buffalo Soldiers made in blah blah blah, starring blah? Um, and then it's like okay, like okay, no, I haven't heard of that.
0: Why don't Why don't we start that today, Craig?
1: Okay, let's do that.
0: I like that idea because, uh, yeah, my memory is bad, mm-hmm. and yeah, titles they tend to sound like something. You know, titles sound like titles, so they sound exactly. like something that you should have heard of. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think maybe we're getting thrown up a little bit. I like this idea, Craig. All right, hit me with what you got.
1: Okay, Buffalo Soldiers, made in two thousand one, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um.
0: Wow. Uh no, Craig, I I don't think I've ever heard of this movie. Wow. Uh and I'm embarrassed to say that cuz I I love me some Joaquin. So, sure. this movie's on Netflix? This movie's on Netflix streaming. And that's what we'll be watching and I look forward to talking about it next time on the podcast.
1: Fantastic. See you then. I will,
0: and as always, you know where to find us. We mentioned it at the top of the show. I'm not going to say it again because, come on, you want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> until then, I, you know what? There's a good chance this might be uh, dropping in 2016, so happy new year, everybody. If happy not, Happy new year. Just start. Just start right now. Your, your calendar starts today, 2016, whatever day this is.
1: Today's the first day of the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, take care.
1: Take care. I don't know what I just said by the way. I that. Take care. Take care. <laughs> All right.